thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Sunday is September 18th, and uh, that's going to be our homecoming. And here's what the vision of homecoming is. In years past, uh, that's been a, a moment where we really celebrated our anniversary. And there's kind of a dualistic approach this year where we're, uh, it's going to be a big party. It's going to be a lot of fun. And there's also going to be a really clear just gospel message where the aim is, is for you to be able to invite your friends and uh, have an opportunity for them to give their lives to Jesus. And so we did the, uh, that series called Homecoming on the uh, Luke 15 prodigal son parable. And we talked about it. We spent four weeks uh, with that as an action item and that that's coming, put it on your calendars. And so this is just a reminder that that is coming up in two weeks. Make sure and have that uh, just in your heart and ready to, uh, to invite somebody so that they're here on that day. All right, we are in this series called Book of Prayers. And here's why. We're currently in 21 days of prayer. And these 21 days of prayer is where we're intentionally spending time alone with God each day. And so we've given you a prayer journal where we're working through the Gospel of John, 21 chapters, 21 days. There's 21 different devotionals. And I'm inviting you to be alone with God each day for 21 days with the vision that that relationship gets stronger and stronger in these 21 days. So we've taken the series and we're, we're looking at the way that people pray. So we're going after their relationship with God. And so the, we, we could pull out kind of their story, but we're going into figures in the scripture, people, and what their vertical relationship with God looked like. So we spent a week and we called it Pray Like Moses. And we talked about his life and God and his prayer life. And then we did Pray Like Hannah last week. Today we're going to go after Pray Like Elijah. And so uh, open your Bibles, if you've got them, to two places. We'll go James 5, and we're going to go 1 Kings chapter 19, or you can look at the screen behind me. It reads like this. James 5 says, Elijah was a man just like us. Put your hand right here and say, just like me. Or if you're a woman, uh, a person just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Father, we love you today. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help each one of us to grow closer to you. And I pray, Lord God, that our relationship with you would grow stronger. I pray for each person on this journey in these 21 days. I pray that their prayer lives would grow stronger and stronger. We ask that you would work supernaturally, that as we draw near, that you would draw near. We pray, Lord God, that you, Lord, would help us. We're so prone to live distracted. And we ask, Lord, that we would draw close. Come, do what only you can do. We need divine sovereign help. The way that you helped Elijah, help us. God of Elijah, come and help us. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said amen. amen. All right, so I'm a, I'm a child of the 90s, right? So I was a teenager in the 90s, and, uh, and Michael Jordan was big in the 90s. Michael Jordan won six championships with the Bulls. And I remember an interview when I was a teenager uh, about... Uh, where they were talking to Michael Jordan about winning all these different championships, and they were kind of highly esteeming him. And it was just, just kind of one of the, the late-night comedians just interviewing Michael Jordan. And I don't know why I remember this, but I remember the moment where Michael Jordan just said, hey, I'm a human being. He's like, I got friends. I got cars. I, I go to the bathroom. I have to eat just like everybody else. 
And, he, and in the moment, what he's doing is he's saying, I'm a human, I'm just, and why? Because we tend to put him up on this pedestal and we're just going, whoa, if I could be like Mike, sometimes I dream, anybody remember? That he is me, you got to see, that's how I dream to be. Like Mike, Gatorade, if I could be like, I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be like Mike. And so, and so, it's, 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 so he was saying in the moment, hey, I, I'm just a normal human being. And you've got James here and he's, he's writing half-brother of Jesus. He's looking to people and he's saying, hey, don't think of Elijah on such a pedestal that you don't realize that it's the same God who miraculously used Elijah that can use you. So the effective prayers of Elijah can take place with a human being just like you. And Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a human being just like us. Now I want to invite us to look at Elijah. And look at his prayer life because he's got some epic big prayer moments, but he also has some broken prayer moments. It's easy for you and me to think, I could never be like an Elijah because you want to look at my prayer life and my prayer life doesn't look at all like the epic calling down fire from heaven that we read about in 1 Kings 18. My life looks like, oh God, just help me survive another day. Yet, Elijah had prayers like that too. And they don't contradict each other. In fact, they strengthen one another. There's the epic moments where you cry out to God, oh God, heal. Oh God, I pray for revival. Oh God, I ask for my, my neighborhood. Oh God, I ask for my friends at work to know you. Oh God, I ask the epic prayers. And there's also the moments in Elijah's life and in yours and in mine where we come before God in, in broken, weary tired. Elijah's was near depression, almost suicidal, saying, oh God, I'm done. And when we read in 1 Kings 19, which is where I'm going, I think it'll resonate even more that Elijah's a man just like us. And it's actually not Elijah that's powerful. It's God who's powerful. And it's the same God of Elijah that's your God that can work inside of you and use you. And so don't be discouraged or weary or tired to the point where you give up. Instead, get alone with God and get strengthened by him. So in 1 Kings 18, we have this story. And I'm going to 1 Kings 19, but I just want you to see the epic prayer. Because this is the predominant prayer. This is the Michael Jordan prayer. This is the prayer where it seems like he's larger than life. And this is the moment, it's the showdown. And this is the moment where where. where he says, all right, you cry out to the, the prophets of Baal, cry out to your God, the God who answers by fire, he is God. So this would have been more epic than any kind of sporting event. That's kind of when I think of big events in our city, I think of maybe parades, maybe sporting events. I mean, try to imagine the biggest event, and this is Elijah, far bigger than if Josh Allen and the Bills came to town for the AFC championship game, far bigger than, than any parade, far bigger. But this is the God who answers by fire. And he's crying out to God, and God meets him. Look at this. Just listen to the epic prayer. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people know that you, Lord, are God and that you're turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. 
When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Epic prayer, big prayer, amazing prayer, wow prayer. And then this is where we'll spend most of our day today is right here in chapter 19. Because I'd like you to see this as a moment where Elijah comes and he gets away with God. And he's tired and he's weary and he's depressed. And my hope is, is that you would place a high value on the miraculous prayer and also the alone with God in the desert with God. Oh God, I need thee every hour type prayer. So first Kings chapter 19, we're going to work through this. We're going to read through this chapter today. Here we go. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them, which means I want you dead. So Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So the moment where he says, I am the same guy that prayed in the last chapter for fire from heaven and saw it. And now you see this interior struggle, this real uh, pain and real depression, real hurt running to God. Look at this, verse five. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for this journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And here's the conversation. This is... This is where I'm going today. This is the conversation with God. And just like Elijah has a conversation with God, my hope is that we would have daily conversations with God, that we would have intentional time where we get alone with God in the same way that, that Elijah transitioned from this place of despair and depression into where it ultimately ends is a place of mission and vision that you too will have moments of getting away into the desert, getting away to Mount Horeb, getting away to, for us, could be a chair, could be while you drive, could be at Starbucks, getting to a place where God works supernaturally in you as you meet with God. And I just want you to hear this next phrase. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? I just want to start with this. God asks questions. God asks. Just interesting because this is, this is, this is two-way dialogue. Far too often, many of us have conversations with God that are just one way. I love all the prayers about hurl your burdens on God. And when we look at these people in the Old Testament with these relationships with God, there's a, there's a, there's a two-way conversation. He asks the question. So here's Elijah, and Elijah escapes to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, and this would have been the place famous for meeting God. This would have been where the burning bush was. This would have been where Moses received the Ten Commandments. This is where Moses would have said, show me your glory. This was a place of encounter. And Moses had encountered God in this place, and now Elijah shows up in this space, and when God asked the question, 
It's what God often does. In fact, you see, you see a moment, even with Adam and Eve, where after they've sinned, God comes and he asks a question. Where are you? And when God asks questions, it's not because he needs to know the information. He's helping you out. It's a rhetorical question that's there to help you out. Elijah, what are you doing here? And it's not a, what are you doing here? Like an angry, what are you doing here? It's the God who wants to meet with you. That has mercy and kindness. And you've come to meet with God. Think about Jesus and the way that he asks questions. Yes, we have moments where he preaches sermons like the Sermon on the Mount. That's monologue. And yet when he's with his disciples, how often there's dialogue. How often he starts conversations with questions. Hmm, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Hmm, who do you say that I am? Think about the moment where he found Mary after the resurrection. And he looks at her and says, Mary, why do you weep? Why are you weeping? Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Remember the moment with the blind man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Or, 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 or maybe the moment with Martha where he asks her, do you believe? There's all these times where there's just these questions. And I think for many of us, prayer can become a monologue or a homework approach where we check a box. I do things. I have habits. I work out. I run. I pay the bills. I pray. I'm done. I'm... A, and you have almost like a robot relationship. Yet when we see people that had friendship with God, there's dialogue. There's communication. So if God was asking you a question today, what question would he ask? Like, what's going on in your heart? Mary's weeping. Why do you weep? Elijah, you've come to the mountain of God. Why are you here? What's going on? Because it's in that place where you begin to just pour out your soul. It's in that place where you begin to just dialogue with him. And I just want you to see the God who asks. He asks. So as you spend time with him, as you, and, and, and this might be written, this might be as you drive, I'm not saying, I'm just, I've said this every week. I'm not saying that you have to write, but boy, when I can just write out and I can look back and see, this is what I feel like the Lord is asking me or saying to me, and I'm able to just wait on him and dialogue with God so that my relationship with God is a priority and I'm listening and it's dialogue. It's two way. It's not one way. And talk to the God that asks questions in verse 10. We'll keep going. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So here's Elijah. And the way that Elijah is familiar with God is that he's the God that answers by fire. Elijah's the one that has seen big miracles. And now God, second idea, God surprises. So God doesn't bring his presence to Elijah in the way that Elijah would expect because Elijah, he's seen God. He knows the stories of Sinai. He knows the stories of the pillar of fire. He knows the stories of earthquakes. And now he surprised him. 
Oh, you think you've got God in a box? Oh, preacher man, I know how God is. I know when I pray, this is how God works with me. And all of us tend to do it. And God, who is sovereign, God, who is omnipotent, has all power, God, who is omniscient and knows all things, he'd look at you kind of like he'd look at Elijah and go, oh, not so fast. You think you know? Let me give you a revelation that you haven't yet seen. Oh, God, I know so much. I have Google. I can figure out anything. (laughs) And yet, imagine the dynamics of a relationship with God where it's more than just more than just monologue. Some people, the monologue is one way, you too, God. And that's, and that's great. You, you pour your heart to God. That's good. We talked about that last week. Some people, some people the monologue might be um, where, they're, where they're not listening at all. So you want to listen to the God who's asking you questions, dialogue, and then wait for God to surprise you. He'll say, hey, I'm at work in this way where you can't see. Hey, I want to invite you to see this in the scripture. Hey, and you'll, you'll be surprised. You'll have these moments where you'll look back at your prayer journal and go, no way, God, you were working 20 years ago this way. And no, oh, you're, yeah. God, you're faithful. God, you're good. You'll go, ah, and we love to, to kind of put God in the, in the system that we like. So sometimes we see this with like church denominations, right? One group says, He's holy. What you do is you cry in the presence of God. Another group says, hey, he is worthy. What you do is you sing and dance in his presence. Another group will say, hey, you know, what you do is you learn something new and put your intellect to work and figure out something in the Greek and Hebrew that you've never seen before, right? All of those are great. And God is often going, oh, let me surprise you. All are true. And we tend to do that very thing that we'll often see kind of within Protestantism, we often see that in our own lives where I get used to my own way. This is how I do it. And it's more about you than it is about him. And here's the thing. God loves to surprise. God looked at Elijah and goes, no, 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 no. I know. I am the God of fire, but I'm also the God of the whisper. And, and really this word here is like silence. We have a hard time even trying to understand how to say it. So we have this word whisper, but at the core, it's this, the sound of silence. And it's God saying, I'll come in any way that I want. And his presence is in this silence, this whisper. Isn't it amazing how often we want to take God, use him as a means to our end and to prove to him that we can be religious, prove to him that we can have a good habit, prove to him and even use him to get what we want. So in the same way that we would use a stock to get what we want, a dollar to get what we want, a habit to get what we want, We'll take God and we'll use God to get what we want. And here's God that says, hold on a second. Come be with me. Listen to me. Let's dialogue. And it's not like you think it is. I'm bigger than that. When you look at eternity, we'll never fully comprehend the worth, the holiness of God. How awesome, how big, how he's moving, how he's working. And he might surprise you. In fact, imagine how dynamic your times alone with God become when you're starting to see what God is like, how God is at work, and ways you go, no way. Last week, I was talking to a lady, and I have told the story, and I had just told the story about my dad being healed. She came up afterwards and and talked to me about how her husband, she was probably in her, 
I would guess she was probably in her mid-60s or so. And she said, she told me the story about how her husband had gone into the hospital with a a very similar condition as my dad and how her husband had passed away. And so I thought it'd be a moment as a pastor where uh, I would pray with her and where there would be um, just walking with her through the pain of that. But she surprised me because she said, as tragic and painful as of the loss of my husband, And then she smiled, she lit up and she said, my husband was a very successful businessman. She said, my whole marriage, we've had an abundance and he was very, very busy. And I went to church and I I made God a priority in my life. And I tried to encourage him to do the same, but he didn't. He always did the bare minimum to make me okay. But as he was laying in the hospital, she said he got out a Bible and he started the process of drawing close to God and started to get extremely close, asked Jesus to be the Lord of his life, became a man of prayer, was praying for healing, was not healed, went on to be with Jesus. But she said, you got to understand. She said, that was my lifelong prayer was the salvation of my husband. And she said, and she's smiling. And she says, she says, it's not the way that I prayed. She said, but my husband is with Jesus. Now I'm the leader of this prayer group and I'm filled with delight about how great my God is. And it's just kind of like a, huh, God might surprise you. You might, you might be surprised that God's not in the way that you expected. It might not be the wind, the fire, the earthquake, the way that you thought, Elijah, he's in the whisper. And God will work super. And man, when your time alone with God is dialogue, God at work. And then God, I see this. This, It's got some thrill to it. It's got, it's got an, an, a relationship that matters. It's got weightiness. And what am I, one of my, one of my great delights for us would be if your relationship with God was, was such a high priority that you, you definitely have hills and valleys. You have moments where you feel close. You have moments where it's, you feel like you're in the wilderness You have moments where you feel like just called down fire from heaven. You've got moments where you go, oh, wow, God, you're amazing. I cover up my face. Who is like our God? But it's that journey with Yahweh. It's that journey with God that is the thrill of your life. That far more than the thrill of business, far more than the thrill of sports, far more than the thrill of recreation, far more than the thrill of being fit, be all those things, but those things don't compare to the thrill of I'm I've got this relationship with God that means everything to me. And so God, he'll surprise you. Old Testament, he's, he shows up and his presence looks like a pillar of cloud. His presence then shows up and it's the fire by night. His presence shows up in the tabernacle in Exodus 40. Second Chronicles 7, it shows up in the temple. John 1, the presence of God. Here's all of a sudden we have God incarnate, Jesus Christ, John 1, 14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Whoa, we surprised us again. Let me just tell you, it's easy for all of us. It's easy for me to do that. It's easy for me to say, hey, this is how God works with me. This is the box that I'm gonna put God in. But can I tell you that my times with God, they look different right now in my 40s than they did in my 20s. I'm 45. When I was 25 you could read my prayer journal and it looked like, oh God, I pray for a youth revival. Oh God, 
give me revelation on the book of John. Oh God, a Psalm. It's just, it's, it was mostly like prayer meetings. Oh, and then it'd be like, oh God, save me from teenagers in the van for 15 hours in a 15 passenger van. Don't let me die. You know, oh God, like that. And now in my forties, it's a little bit different, a little bit, little bit different side of God at work than I used to see. I, I used to think that I, I, the, the big thing that I was asking for looks a little different now. I, I've experienced God as a provider in a different way. When we planted Radiant Church, I had never had to believe God for financial miracles. And now kind of pioneering this church, it's always, oh God, do it again. Oh God, supply. Oh God, provide. It's, and it's, it's different. My, my prayer journey, my prayer journey on evangelism used to look like, oh God, let this 14 year old give up on pornography and drugs and let me like help him. Now I'm looking at a city and it looks like generosity in restaurants and generosity when I get my hair cut and starting conversations out there and all of them are still good. It's just different, but it's got this dynamic God at work, God doing a work inside of me and and God's, he's always been the provider and he's always been the one that wanted me to be a part of the great commission. He's all, but I, I, it's, it's dynamic and it's different. And your relationship with God, one of the things that the enemy wants is for you to get so cocky and so cynical that you just put God in your box. This is the way it works. This is the way God talks to me. This is the way it's done. Let me tell you, all of us have different ways that we enjoy connecting with God. But that's not the totality of what God wants to do. Don't turn that into one of your American habits and systems to accomplish your end. And God is just a means for you to be in control. No, the idea is I come and I relate with a real person. And I talk to God. And sometimes he surprises me. Sometimes I go, whoa. You're, I see an attribute of God I haven't seen before. I see maybe even something in the scriptures of what he's like. I see something of how he's at work in the world today. I see how my yes in the past is now at work. God doing something, answering a prayer. Wow. It causes delight being with God. Privilege. So keep going. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, and gives him direction, action. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram and anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Jezreel and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. And I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. A lot there, one point I wanna make. As his time alone with God ends in the desert here at Mount Horeb. God gives him an action plan. He says, go do this. Do you know how often this is what God will do with you? He, he says, I want you to go, go, get, go get Jehu ready to be a leader. Go get Elisha ready to be a prophet. Hey, 
And, and, and probably, I'm, I mean, I can't get into the interior workings of all that's going on in Elijah, but if I'm Elijah and I've started, the whole text starts with, I'm afraid of Jezebel, and now God gives me these directives. I just wonder if the action items that God tells him to do look different than what, if Elijah was to write, here's what I want. Let Jezebel just fall over dead, God. That's what I was praying for, you know? Let, but but here's, here's what you want me to do. And that's one of the dynamic pieces of spending time with God. You'll, the Holy Spirit will lead you, and he'll say, I want you to forgive that person. I want you to go start that ministry. I want you to get rid of that app to get that idol out of your life. I want you to, and then you, like Elijah, get to say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. You know, as parents, uh, for those of you that are parents, there's a lot of times where like your kids will do some really, really awesome things. And you're like, that's awesome. But when your kids do awesome things, but they don't obey you, it's hard to really enjoy the awesome things, right? So if my kids say, dad, I, and they told me these wonderful things, I really am grateful, but, but, but if they're telling me that as a replacement for, I told you to mow the lawn. I told, dad, I know that you told me to mow the lawn, but look, I built a, look what I built out of Legos. Why can't you be proud of me? Uh, I, I, Legos are fine, but, but I want you to do what I said. I just want you to know, we're spending a lot of our lives just kind of coming up with our own ideas of some things that, you know, it's kind of cool. I, and, and we got a lot of Americanism that it's all about me. So God, why don't you just tag yourself in my Instagram and be proud of me? Instead of like, I am your servant. You, I'm listening. I'm dialoguing with God. You're surprising me with how you're at work in my life. You're surprising me how you're working my church. You're working my city. I'm not going to mock it. I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. And now, how can I? I just play a little part, but I want to give you my yes. And Elijah, I mean, ultimately, he can't see all the ways that that next step was going to go to defeat, <laughs> crush Baal. But all he could do was his part. All right? Anoint the king. Get the prophet ready. Get Jehu ready. Let's go. That's my, that's, that's my role. I'm Elijah. That was my yes from God. And God will give you that next step. God will give you that obedient step. And the joy and delight when you start to just be able to look back and go, wow, God, you told me to forgive that person. I started praying for them every day. And now what's in my heart is different than where my heart was a month ago. God, you told me to d disciple 14-year-olds. And now I'm seeing such delight. I would have made fun of 14-year-olds six months ago. But now these are the 14-year-olds that I believe they're going to change the world. <laughs> right? God, I didn't used to care about the poor, but you put that on my heart. And now I give this part of my income to do this. Or my, and so now my heart's connected to these people that are hurting. Or, or God, I've never been overseas, but you told me to go on that trip. Cost, now I find my heart connected to take it. You see it? And so you just take that next step. And so that conversation with God takes Elijah from the place of depression and suicidal thoughts. And Elijah is a man just like us. He's got those epic big prayer moments, Sunday morning. And then those moments, oh dear God, I'm done. 
I don't even know what I mean. I'm done. What does that mean? I just take, I don't know. I'm just pain, hurt, tired, weary. But it's that getting away to the desert. And when you get away to the desert, that's what actually gives you strength and power to walk in God's power instead of your own power in your daily life. So that, that desert place is the secret space that gives great strength. And so now the enemy will come and say, you don't have time for that. You got too much going on. Have you seen your to-do list, your task list? Do you know how many things you got going? And I want to invite you to begin to look at making this such a priority that you're actually able to shut down some of those other things so that you can accomplish what God has for you rather than what you have for you. So let me just give you a couple thoughts on the substance of what to fill that time alone with God with. Just that I see here, and the idea of going 21 days and spending daily time with God. Great text, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. I just want you to see the being renewed day by day idea because I want to go after a day by day idea from the life of Elijah. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I'm inviting you, 21 days, day by day, be with God. And these little tiny moments with God will have big fruit in your life. Look at this verse three where Elijah says, where it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He's afraid of Jezebel. Doesn't need to be afraid of Jezebel. He's God's prophet. He's, he's beast mode. He's, I mean, God is with him. And yet Jezebel saying, threatening him fills him with fear. And this is common for all of us. Something that should not have any power over you has power over us, right? So I just wrote this. I put, overcome problems through praise. So come before God and start off. Your temptation is to have all your problems be taking up the primary space in your head and your heart. But you begin, instead of with your problems, just begin with praise. God, you are holy. God, you are faithful. God, you are good. God, you are king. God, you are my delight. God, you are my joy. And what happens is everything gets put in the right order. Culturally, what we're tempted to think is, these are my problems, and those are real problems. You really do have to mow the yard. You really do have to make payments. You really do have to have an income. You really do have to, you know, whatever, become a better baller, lift more weight. I'm trying to think of what we're trying to do, you know, like accomplish something. Oh, have more people like you on social media. Yeah, that's a big one in your life. I mean, you, you, you really have these things that seem like a big deal. And in the culture, these seem like really big. And then, oh yeah, yeah, God's faithful. Cute, saying that. God's holy. Yeah, 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 yeah. God's creator. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've known that since Sunday school. I've... But when you come before God day by day and he renews your mind and everything gets put in the right position, and you actually go, wow, you're king, God, Lord, sovereign. You last forever. What, you're, what you've invited me is infinitely large. You're amazing. You're, you're at work in ways I can't see. You're, I get to be with you forever and ever and ever. And, and God, you actually, you actually have every knee's gonna bow, every tongue's gonna confess that you are Lord. And your ways are higher than my ways. And wow, there's... There's seraphim around the throne, and, oh, and God, you're big. And, 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 uh, and all of a sudden, over just those first little minutes, you'd be surprised how then praise starts to get above problems, and you start to go, oh, worthy. And it's not that the problems go away. It's just they're put in the right position. When my kids were really little, and we had problems, right? Hey, Dad, so-and-so didn't put their toys away. Hey, Dad. Uh, I didn't get to go to the game because we had church. <laughs> you know, dad, like all these things. 
And I'd often try to fix the problems, but I had one trump card, one clutch way of fixing when it got really bad. And it was, let's go for ice cream. Because you could take the average night where everybody was sad and depressed and mad at each other and fighting. And all I had to do was pull that like, let's go for ice cream. And suddenly the joy of ice cream made all these other problems seem so small. And suddenly the fight over the toys, they got to be really little. I know this doesn't work as well at 18 and 16, but it worked really well at two and four. Right? So, but here's the idea. It's not that those problems go away, but it's just compared to the surpassing of greatness of Christ Jesus, my Lord, all these things are, so, uh, you're always, I hate to tell you, you're always going to have problems. Oh, David, no, there's an app for everything. Oh no. There's, there's going to be trouble. It's going to be. So if you could get praise and begin your day and write out holy, faithful, good, worthy, then that joy and that delight, I praise God. And here's Elijah. And just that, that just like he had that fear of Jezebel, you've got fears, many health, financial, relational, but just get that. I'm going to get that praise, that praise help you overcome. All right. Second one is this. I just love in the next verse, verse four, he says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Now, a lot of different Bible commentary on why he just says this. Here's the core idea. He doesn't need to be comparing himself to his ancestors. And this is actually this comparison thing. This is more prominent in our culture than ever before. We are living in constant comparison. So I just wrote this. Overcome comparison through confession. Through coming before God and looking back and saying, wow, God, I'm not comparing myself to others. I'm wanting to be transformed into the image of Christ. So I don't need to compare myself to the neighbor, to the other person on social media, to the business partner. No, I'm, I'm comparing to who I was yesterday and where I'm going what I am right now. And my aim is to be transformed into the image of Christ. So a week ago, I was bitter and mad, but today I've forgiven. Or God, I confess I'm filled with bitterness. And so God, transform me and change me. The only person you compare yourself to is Christ. And Christ is the one who gives you power to be transformed. So it's, 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 it's filled with delight. He's the one that cares about you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that's going, that wants to help you. He, that's, that's the goal. So you're being transformed into his image and you're going, oh God, just take the fruit of the spirit. I have not lived with love. I have not lived with joy. I have not. Oh, I did have some peace. Oh God, help me to have some self-control. Missed that in the parenting moment. Does self-control mean for parents too? Or do we get like a bye, you know, week on parenting because toddlers are hard, you know, like, but God and work through that, that confession piece. That can, I, I, God, I just confess and just hurl it on God who can handle it. And so instead of constantly comparing to others, you're starting to look at like God at work, transforming me. Then this last one says this, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So third one is this, overcome tantrums, not fun, tantrums through truth. Here's the truth. The reality is we read in 1 Kings 18, 13, there's actually a hundred prophets that are hidden. It's actually not the only one, but he feels this moment. He's just like, I'm the only one. Ah, and it's a lie that he believes. 
right? If we'll get the word of God inside of us and just study the scriptures and just get this inside of you, I would invite you like daily manna, like daily spending time. Just get the word of God inside of you and let that truth permeate your heart and your mind. That truth will help shut down the lies. Many people tell stories, believe stories about their lives that if you're active in the word of God, you're not living as a victim. You're starting to live as a disciple. And I, my dream is just that for 21 days, we would, we would grow in this area and that this would become the thrill. Being alone with God would not be the uh, miserable discipline we have to do to prove to God and to ourselves that we're Christians, but instead that you would get with God and enjoy it and love it and be with him and want to spend time with him. And wow, amazing. God, you're asking me questions. Let me tell you what's in my heart. And you're the God that loves me and you're the God that really cares. You're the God with compassion. And you're asking me, where are you at, David? What's up? God, I'm here in this and that. And God goes, let me surprise you with what I'm doing. Have you ever had that moment where you've seen God at work and you're like, oh, or you've seen attribute? Oh. So it's that revelation component. It's that delight component. Filling up that time with God. I was, I'll say it this way, and this is how I'll close, but with our family, um, we... We don't have a pet, but we have a robot, Alexa. And uh, so we don't have a dog or a cat, but we do tribal Bible. And when we do tribal Bible, it's a moment where our family is like our worship and prayer time together. And we um, we're always yelling at Alexa for the next worship song. And it's kind of a culture in my family to kind of have like, um, like who's got the heavy revy on the latest song. If you don't have heavy revy, I talk teenager. That means like revelation, like worship song that you're just loving right now. And so my kids will be like, oh, play this song. And most of the songs, you know, that's why I'm always the one. I'm like, play Keith Green. Let's go. Let's go. My kids are like, oh, dad. You know, and then my kids play a latest worship song that literally came out yesterday. And they're like, and I, I'm like, this is so long. It's nine minutes. Keith was like two minutes. My eyes are dry. You know, it's quick. Um, or some moments when we do the dishes together, we do the same thing where we do like not worship songs, but we do like dance songs. We turn the pain of dishes into dancing. And that's kind of how we kill the pain. And we all dance as we do dishes, but we all have the same thing. We're always yelling at Alexa, Alexa, play this song, Alexa. And she'll go off. She'll turn blue. She'll start the song. She'll get it wrong. Play it on Spotify, play it on Amazon, play it any way you want. Just like, and then it goes off and on. And I don't have empathy for a robot but I feel like Alexa most of the time where everybody's yelling at me Buy this, spend your time this way. What's wrong with you? preach this, invest here, do this. Why didn't you say this? You didn't post this. Does that mean you believe this? I don't know what, like my whole, it's just everybody. And I think all of us live in a culture that's just, and I just want to invite you. You may get a lot of things wrong, but don't get this wrong. Let, make sure that you go. I'm going to care about going to the desert and being with God. I'm going to my Mount Sinai, my Mount Horeb. I'm going to go be with God. I'm going to pour out my heart to God. I'm going to, I'm going to, have, I'm going to have a relationship with him that's real and vital. And I might not get all the 25 things that the culture says you, need, you have to get right or you are off. In fact, for me, I've just settled it. For me, there's some things that... Um, I'm just, it's just like, 
intentional, willful, selective ignorance. You know how when you're a kid and you just think your parents are just like really ignorant on so many important things? You're just like, how can you not know, you know, 80s MTV culture, dad, you know, my dad wearing pleats, preaching the Bible. But now I learned, no, that's, that's often the way of the Christian. Like, I believe all of us, we want to go into every realm. We want to be people that go into every part of culture, but you can't go into, you can't do everything. So you make sure you get what God's called you to be close to him. And then you get your orders, your command, your obedience. And then you just have some selective ignorance on some things. I, that's like the Psalm. It's just too wonderful for me. I just, there's just some things I just, I don't have the capacity to do all these things, but I do have the capacity for this. I'm going to be with God. I'm going to, the nature of leaving all the clutter to go to the wilderness. It's a common theme. It's the prophets. It's the people of God. It's John the Baptist. It's Jesus when he starts his ministry. And it's important for you every day. Start off your day. Go to the wilderness. Go to the desert. Get with God. Choose to forego some of the stuff so that you can just get there with that Bible, with that journal. And again, I want to invite you. I'm not saying this is the only method. I'm just trying to invite. I don't care if it's digital while you're with a latte with 100 people around and it's a, you do it your way. I don't care about the way. I just care about you connecting with God. Get with him. Be with him. Make it your priority. Let's stand together. Let's just give these 21 days to God again. Would you just take a moment and not my prayer, but your prayer? Would you just give God this last final week? Got one more week in these 21 days. Just ask the Lord, surprise me, God. Would you say, God, would you speak to me? I want to be, I want to listen. My relationship with you look more two-way than one way. I want dialogue with the God of the universe. Let the word of God come alive in my heart. Thank you that you care. Lord, we love you so much. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, for every young man and every young woman, every man, every woman, every single person, every married person, every child, every teenager. Every person that feels like right now they're rocking it. Things are going well. And everyone that feels like they are in despair. And I pray, Lord, that you would be who they run to. That they would encounter you at their Mount Horeb. They would encounter God on the mountain. I pray this last week that these 21 days would be like... <laughs> more glorious even than the first, more intimate. I pray that they would encounter you in a precious way, special, unique way. If you're here today and you want to begin a journey with Jesus, we would invite you to surrender your life to him. Beginning with a prayer, and just 
Just pray this. Just say, God, I give you my life. Change me. Save me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I give you my life. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you. Just take that connection card that's in your seat. And there's a place for you to let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Also, uh, there's a great moment in just a moment that we're going to have where people come forward to pray. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to come up here and pray. You can come forward for any, any, any prayer need that you have. But if you made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to pray with you. It's a great moment just to come and say, hey, I have decided I want to follow Jesus. I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. We're going to close by singing this last song again. It's the one that we sang earlier. Let's just let it be a declaration to God. And if you have any prayer need, I want, to, I want to invite you to come forward. Let's pray over our tithes and offerings. Jesus, you are all in all. You are life. You are delight. You are savior. You are hope. And you are joy. We give you everything. We love you. We love loving you. It's the delight of our lives to be your people. We bend our lives around you. Let us draw closer and closer. In Jesus' name.